Hi, this is Craig from Spam By Me, and welcome to an episode of Talking Football. Now today I'm talking football with Mr. Stephen Wignall, or Wiggy. Uh, he is the chair of the Leeds LGD, LGBT+, plus, if I can say it, supporters group of Leeds. Now, Stephen, how are you today? Yeah, really good, thanks. How are you? I'm uh, I'm not bad. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Um, it's been a long week, hasn't it? Even though it's only Wednesday. It has been a very long week. I am ready for the weekend again, and then we're another weekend closer to uh, to the football season again. We are. We are. And how are you feeling about the football season in general? Uh, apprehensive being a Leeds fan on the basis that this week our two best players are going to be sold, and we have. Brought in some replacements, but you just don't know how they're going to be in terms of the Premier League. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. But apprehensive, I think it's going to be another difficult year for us. Uh, I don't think it'd be any other way, would it? And that's that's the Leeds way, isn't it? As hard as possible. Yeah, let's make it hard. Let's uh, let's <laughs> let's go through a roller coaster of emotions. And I'm sure. Um, well, you'll have seen last season the uh, it was a very tough one for us taking it right to the. Uh, the last game of the season and pretty much the last kick of the season. So, um, yeah, hopefully a little bit easier this year, but I know that it's going to be a really difficult one. I'm not uh, deluded enough to think it's going to be anything other than tough. Well, the thing is with Leeds fans, they're, they're 50-50, aren't they? Half of them think that they're going to win league and God knows what else, and then the other half are already uh, resigned to playing championship football. So it's a weird one with Leeds fans. There's a, a very a large variety of different types of Leeds fans, isn't there? There's the uh, optimistic ones, the pessimistic ones, and God knows what else in between. I, I think the latest ones that I love, without uh, criticising Leeds fans, because obviously I wouldn't want to do that, is the uh, is the Twitter Leeds fans, and that's the ones where uh, if we win a game, you're right, we're going to win the championship, we're going to uh, we're going into Europe, we're the best team in the world. Um, if we lose a game, and, and maybe a game we should win, um or you potentially should win, there's a total meltdown. And uh, and as you say, it's like we're getting relegated again and the world's falling in and this player's crap and that player's crap. Yeah, and it's, yeah I think this, it's, it's, it's entertaining to watch. That's what I'll say, Craig. Yeah, I can't, I, can't, I can't deny that. It is very entertaining to watch. It's uh, It adds quite a lot of, um, of wrinkles to your face if you're a Leeds fan. Luckily... If you've listened to the podcast in, in the past, I'm the Liverpool half of the uh, You'll Never Walk Together podcast, so I'm the Liverpool fan, so I've got a little little less lines on my face, but my uh, co-host, who's, uh, who's, who's on a break tonight, he's, on a, he's, he's got a day off, he's, uh, he's got a lot more age on his face after this season. Um, <laughs> <laughs> would you like to tell us a little bit more about the uh, marching out together? Because for me, leads and acceptance aren't two words that I'd necessarily put together. <laughs> well, this is it. Leeds, uh, we, we, Leeds United have, have come a long way, and I think um, we have worked incredibly close with the club over the last um, five years. We're coming up to our five-year anniversary now um, to make Ellen, uh, Ellen close, Ellen Road, um, a more safe and inclusive environment for, for everyone. But you know, specifically, the work we're doing is around LGBT plus um, people and their allies as well. So I think, um, yeah, we've been going for five years. Um, or we're coming up to our fifth year. Um, we've done some incredible things with the club that's, um, you know, involved us doing some um, training at the academy um, with, with uh, or working closely with Stonewall on some training at the academy in terms of the uh, youth team right up to the first team. Uh, we've done some great work in terms of visibility around Ellen Road with our flag in the ground, with our... Um, with some better signage, uh, with some videos that we've we've done, um, and then this year for the second time, um, Leeds United are going to be a premium sponsor um, of, of Leeds Pride, and that just fills me with incredible pride that we're going to see on the march. Um, the the Leeds United emblem all over, which is is brilliant, and you know it, I think it's a real statement of intent from the club to. Um, to make sure that they are inclusive for everyone, and I think it's you know it's one of the main reasons why I got back into football and um, and I'm a season t- ticket holder again is 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 marching out together. So I haven't always been the chair. It was created um, by two guys who were season ticket holders who approached the club. Um, 
they were really supportive from the off, but I've been involved since day one. So, um, yeah, coming up to my six-year anniversary with them as well. But I think I'm into my second second term as chair. That's good then. Um, five years is quite a long time, and it? it's uh, almost half of Manchester City's entire history, isn't it? That five years. <laughs> yeah, it totally is. But Leeds do have a, a long and decorated history. So, yeah, it is. Um, but these, these fan groups are... Um, you know, they're popping up all over. When we started, there was a handful. Um, I think we're at, you know, 50-plus now across the Football League. And we've seen the progress that's been made just the last six months around, um, you know, we've had um, Josh come out down in Australia and that made worldwide worldwide news. The first active professional footballer yeah. in the world coming out, which was great. And that was followed up uh, quite recently by um, Jake Daniels at Blackpool, who now is the uh, first active gay player in in Europe, which is again great to see. Yeah, we uh, we covered that on the podcast. I think it's great news. Hopefully, it'll um, give people a bit of comfort and a bit of solace, and it'll sort of progress football further. That other people can feel that they're in a similar situation. Like God knows how many Premier League footballers out there. That there's what over a thousand. There's absolutely no way that they're all heterosexual males. You know, hopefully that gives people a bit of a support to come forward and come out. Yeah, you, you would you would definitely hope it's the catalyst for change. I think you're right. A, a thousand Premier League footballers, um, give or take, statistically one in ten um, adult males is, is identified as heterosexual, uh, heterosexual no, homosexual. <laughs> um, and therefore you would hope that, that Jake being so brave is the catalyst for others to, 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 to follow suit. I think... We'd always said at marching out it wouldn't be a, a youth player who's coming through the ranks who would feel uh, comfortable to do it. Uh, but you, you hope that's now the catalyst to change because um, in 2022, uh, I don't think there's many or any other professions in the world where there's no one who is who is out and, and able to be themselves. So, um, no, it was it was great news. And I think the, the message from all has always been the same, it's not around as you know, forcing people to come out or wanting, yeah, people. I understand. Um, necessarily, it's about creating a safe environment for people to be able to, yeah, that's that's absolutely brilliant. It's a good message, is that? Um, we sort of did a little bit of the segment, and I, I sort of had a theory, and I didn't mean it like in a negative way or any sort of negative connotations, but I said that I thought that somebody like Marcus Rashford was struggling with his sexuality because he sort of this season he's been struggling. You know, on the pitch, and you can just sort of see that he's sort of carrying that worry. And I didn't, I didn't obviously, I didn't mean it in like a negative way, but I think that there was like a Twitter account last year, wasn't there, where a professional footballer was going to come out, and that sort of got put on back burner. I don't mean, I don't want you to like um, do Rebel Wilson and out somebody live on air, but is there anybody that you think might be that's sort of struggling? Um, n- no, prob- probably not. I think you, you, you obviously have your, your extroverts and your introverts and people necessarily, not necessarily generally think you know the more extroverted would be would be able to just do it but i i to be to be honest i've never really sat and thought and gone oh they may be they may yeah. not be i think you, you hear the rumors don't you about this player that player and i, I try not to get too caught up in it because it, you know ultimately like uh, just in general life it's none of my business yeah like, completely agree I, 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 I think the bit of business that is about mine is again about marching out together and creating a safe environment it's not about whether they are and aren't and I think the speculation when you see it so you know you reference the, the Twitter account um, that's then speculated in um, in newspapers on front pages it's, I just don't see it as being very helpful if I'm honest with you and um, and I think when the way the way I try to articulate this is, you know, 20, about twenty years ago, maybe a little bit more now because I, I am getting on. Um, <laughs> you know, Stephen Gately came out; he was in Boyzone, and it made front page news of the of, of every newspaper about it being, um, you know, him being gay. And you know, twenty odd years down the line now, Boyzone members come out all the time. And it just just doesn't even make page seven anymore. It's just not news yeah. anymore. And I think that's exactly where you want football to go. And I think it, it the first Premier League star that comes out, and we saw it with Jake, to be fair, who's, you know, just breaking into the, the Blackpool um, 
13, but the first Premier League player that's come out, it's absolutely going to make front page news across um, across all media. It will break, it will trend on Twitter, it will be on Sky Sports News, it will be on all the front pages, yada, yada, yada. But um, essentially, you want to be in that place where that's the first, and then in 20 years' time, well, hopefully not that long this time, but 20 years' time, say, it's just not news anymore, and everyone is free and able to absolutely be themselves. Yeah, I, I said on the podcast, I know I'm sort of referencing past things, but I said on the podcast, I thought it were embarrassing, if I'm being honest, and I don't mean that in a negative way. It's like, it shouldn't be newsworthy. It's just, it is what it is sort of thing. It shouldn't need to be. But I think the problem that we've got, like you said, the first person that does it is obviously going to carry the brunt of everybody, you know, praying into his life and, oh, this, this, that and other. And, you know, like, um, say, for instance, Philip Schofield now, Everybody's sort of clambered over him, like, and they want to know what his partner's like, and this, that, and other. And maybe the reason that somebody hasn't come forward and come out is basically they just don't want the media prying into. You know, I've seen it before in past where people are going through the dustbins to sort of see what's going on. It, it, maybe you just don't need that level of attention when you just try to be a professional footballer. And, and, and you're totally right. I think there's all that attention. There'll be all the attention from the media. There'll be fears about stick from you know away fans. Uh, there'll be fears about stick from their own fans. Um, there'll be there'll be worries about you know can they play at this club? Can they play at that club? There'll be all sorts of worries. But you you're right. It's like it just shouldn't be a thing anymore. It's not in, in any other walk of life in the main. It, it just is a non-issue. And you know most workplaces have policies and procedures to make sure that you know there is you, you can't discriminate and football will be the same but there's, there's, there's the added other things around the media and around as you say um the dressing room and around fans and and everything else which i just think that you're right the first person will probably feel the brunt of it but that's around making sure that in stadiums you know people are dealt with as as they should be if, if they are homophobic, racist or any other form of discrimination. The problem I see at the minute as well is I think that football's going backwards. I can't see it being as progressive as what it was. Now, there's flares, there's pitch invasions and stuff like that. Stuff like that was synonymous with, you know, 70s and 80s where they were scrapping. Seen it at Ellen Road this season where people have been getting lighters and stuff thrown at them. So it's, it's a hard one in the midst of all that to throw something else into the mix sort of thing. So there is that as well, sort of. I think fans' mentality sort of seems to be going backwards rather than, than forwards. Yeah, and and that's, that's on the authorities, isn't it, to stomp it out yeah. and stomp it out quickly? I think you're right, the pitch invasions at the back end of last season, they were ugly, wasn't they? You don't want to see players, managers, uh, or anything like that getting attacked on a, on on a pitch, and it, you know, it is against the laws to to enter the field of play, and, and that is where I would like to say Leeds United were impeccable on the last day, game of the season. Not one of our fans encroached the field of play to the point where our, our player actually went and got in with them. So, um, so yeah, it, it it needs stamping out. You know, the flares, racism, everything does. Um, you're right. Do you took something else in the mix? Uh, I don't know. I think I've always said, and I'll talk about you know homophobia and discrimination. It sometimes it's just one step forward and two steps back, or that's how it feels. But I see progress um, definitely from where we were five years ago in terms of, of homophobia and um, and where we're at. Any progress is good progress in a way. I, I, I guess I guess obviously bringing it more to light makes people more comfortable and stuff like that. And then off the back of that then progress is made. So, yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm not boots on the ground like you, Mr. Season Ticket Holder, so you can see firsthand what what the pictures on Sky Sports don't really show. Um, I've got a question for you. Uh, What is your first memory of a Leeds match? Uh, So, like, obviously the the memories of of when when you're younger, but I've like one vivid memory and this is the one that like just sticks out like you know that one memory and I think that's the best one to go to is it was when we beat West Ham on New Year's Day in the early 2000s and we were at home at the New Year's Day and we went top of the league and um, 
And that was it. I remember walking out of the ground. I think we won about 3-1. Walking out of the ground and everyone were, you know, singing We Are The Champions. And, like, to your point around Leeds fans getting carried away, everyone, that were it, we'd won it. Like, we'd just yeah. had Fowler, we'd, we'd won it. Like, it were, nothing was stopping us. That were our, that were our year. Um, and I, I always carry that memory because I remember feeling like that myself. I was, uh, God, 18 at the time, um, or around 18. And, like, just that euphoric feeling of we've done it. And then, obviously, very quickly, everything, <laughs> everything went really, really wrong. <laughs> went south very fast. Yeah, it did. Um, I've got a bit of a feeling like that, and it's a similar one because the last match that I went to was uh, when we played Chelsea at Anfield when Mr. Gerrard slipped. So I got there early, and we watched the uh, me and my cousin watched the coach coming in and everything, and there were flares. I don't, I'm not really massively fan on, on the flares. I don't think they're uh, the, what I want to see next season. But that's by the way. By the by, uh, the bus were coming in. Everybody was singing. You know, now you're going to believe us. We're going to win the league, and then Gerrard slips, and we lose two 0 and then it just sort of goes from there. And I haven't been back since, so I mean, we've won, we've won quite a lot since I've been back. So I might have been the curse that day. So I'll I'll be happily never go to Anfield again if, if we can keep winning. So that that's fine with me. Who's... Maybe that's self reflection. It's no longer it's no longer your time to go to Anfield. Yeah, maybe. Um, we had a, a thing before as well. Have you got any sort of superstitions regarding the uh, regarding when you go into a match? Um, I, I don't have superstitions. I have routines. Yeah, similar um, thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I but definitely don't have uh, superstitions, but definitely routine and that. Um, so I go with my brother, um, and uh, like it, it's kind of our thing. We, we, me and my brother are very, very different, like chalk and cheese. Um, but the one thing that brings us together is football. So. Um, Every day we'll we'll meet up. We'll go to the pub, usually near me. Sometimes to another one, but usually near me uh, for a couple of hours. Have a have a few beers or rosé wine, as I like, <laughs> uh, which is quite funny. Sat in a, a rowdy Leeds pub with a bottle of rosé, but they huh, I <laughs> I do me. Um, and then we uh, like probably about an hour before the game, I bob down to the fan zone um, and meet marching out together. Board members and members who have come along to me just to make sure and catch up with everyone, um, and then it into the ground for the game, uh, and then another kind of halftime routine ritual is halftime. It's who's going down for the beer. We've always got to go down five minutes before, uh, so it's always a bit of a it's your turn, it's my turn, and all of that. Half time beer, then up for the full time, and then um, depending on the results and what we've got on. We might go out, we might not. That'll just depend if uh, if we've got things going on. If uh, you know, if we've got a night out somewhere else, we won't. But if we've both got no on, we'll, we'll probably bob for another. Uh, and then, yeah, that's it. That's kind of the routine we have. Um, but I think everyone has them, don't they? Yeah. I mean, my superstition was um, every time I bought the, the Liverpool shirt, we didn't win. I remember putting the Liverpool shirt on first game at season, sat in garden, turned radio on, and we lost 3-0 to West Brom, and that were it. I will never buy a shirt again because it were obviously my fault for uh, for buying a shirt in first place. In Euros as well, I went to a charity shop and I bought an England shirt. And just before the match against Croatia, I went for a walk in the England shirt, and then I came back and watched them with one 4-0. So that were it. I need to go for a walk and I need to wear my £1 charity shop football shirt because that's why we won. And then obviously I wore it for the final and we didn't win, so that got slung in wardrobe, never to be seen again. But did you go for your walk? No, that were it. If I'd have gone for a walk, England would have won Euros, so I apologise. It, it wasn't the uh, the young lads getting pressurised into taking a penalty when they were stone cold and not warmed up or out like that. It was me not going for my walk. I, I, I think I concur. It, it was totally our fault and... Uh... And England not winning a major tournament should be on your shoulders, to be fair. Well, I'll come out on record and apologise there. There's enough time that's passed <laughs> that I'm uh, I'm over it. So, yeah, sorry about that, lads. I should have gone for a walk. It was, uh, like, uh, just off on a tangent, sorry, like, the Euros, I'm, I'm one of these who probably don't get into the tournament until we're into the tournament, if that makes sense. Yeah. But just the Euros and the roller coaster and yeah, what a ride, it was brilliant. 
I didn't watch penalties because I knew I knew what was going to happen. I, I'm not a fan of penalties anyway. They make me sick. You know, when you just can feel that knot in your stomach, like I can't do this. It's too much. It's just too much pressure for me. I sort of me? when we were playing Chelsea, the first final, I sort of half watched them and I was making myself a sandwich or a drink or whatever. And then the last final, uh, the FA Cup final, when it went to penalties, Brooke watched all of them and I didn't watch any of them. I was sort of in and out, sort of recycling out and stuff, half watching a penalty. Like, I just, I was pacing, you know, like when a, a dog's going into labour and it's pacing, you sort of got to kick it under stairs into a cardboard box so it can give birth. I was like that, like, I just can't do it, I can't do it. It's just too much, <laughs> too much, too much pressure. But yeah, I'm, I'm going out there on record, Stephen, and I'm uh, apologising for not going for a walk. I'll, uh, I will. I'll, I'll email I'll Mr. Southgate. <laughs> I'll email Southgate and let him know it's not his uh, dullard tactics. Um, I'm not sure what happened with the hungry, hungry loss. I don't think I went for a walk then, but I didn't watch it either, so I'm not accepting the blame for that one. Can, you know uh, what? I, I watched. I watched none of that bloody nonsense this summer. I just couldn't. I just think, for God's sake, give him a rest. What is this bloody ridiculous tournament that no one wants to play? Well, it's not only that no one wants to play it, it's no one wants to watch it either. You put more right. football competitions out there and you dilute the purity of the football, don't you? There's there's no yeah. no point in it. Like I can get behind England, but not for stuff like that. You know, it, it's it's a nothing of a competition. I, I, I think Portugal won it once and I couldn't tell you who won that one. The, I don't even know if it's still ongoing, you know, League of Nations, Home Nations or whatever it's called. It, it's just... It's pointless. It's absolutely pointless. It's probably why we haven't performed in it because no one gives a shit about it. There's other, other countries obviously give a shit about it, but I don't think anyone in England gives a shit about it. Totally agree. It's, it's just it, I don't know. When you look at records of you know players out there like Pele, uh, Eusebio, and stuff like that, like world class, elite level players. They played the best of the best teams and scored the goals against the best teams. Maradona same. You know, and then you see Kane that scored four against Malta, and that's that's up there. And you're like, well, yeah, you're going to be England's top scorer. You've played against Cyprus seven times. There's a, there's quite a lot of amateurs out there that be able to score three and four against Cyprus. So it's not it's not a massive accolade, is it? It's, I mean, Rooney were probably the last proper striker that England had that played in proper competition. So. Kane's probably going to take over his record, and it's going to state that he's England's greatest goal scorer of all time. But for me, you know, it's it's not a massive accolade anymore. If you're going to be playing Costa Rica and Cyprus, and no disrespect to them as countries, but they're for me, they're the teams. Hungary, Hungary, I can put Hungary in that same bracket. They're the teams that you look at and you go, yeah, we'll be beating them seven nil, and then we don't. So what's the point in getting behind it? The the, uh, the the last decent England game that reminds me was we played Costa Rica Ellen Road twenty eighteen, um, and I was invited as a guest for marching out together, and uh, it was honestly it was brilliant. Like uh, I wasn't working at the time, and it was a free bar. So <laughs> let me just tell you that the FA managed to put a few drinks in me, which is good. Well, the uh, they've clawed it back since for your season ticket and stuff like that, and uh, I hope you got your rosé's worth out of it. So I did, trust me. So who's your favourite current Leeds player then? If you're excluding um, Calvin Phillips and letting uh, Rafinha off the leash to go to Chelsea. So, I, so yeah, so I, I think any Leeds fan who, if Calvin was saying, didn't say Calvin, I'd be very, very surprised. Um, and I... Yeah, Calvin, I won't dwell on this too much. Calvin um, deserves his big money move for me. Um, he stayed with us a few years ago when he had the option to go, and he, he didn't. He stayed and stuck with the project and, and got us into the Premier League. He stuck with us for two years in the Premier League. And do I want to see him go? No. Um, he's a, a workly lad. I live in Workley, so um, you know he's a, he's a great ambassador for the club. But I do not, um, I don't doubt that he'll still go on to be a fantastic player for City. And I think they're getting him at a ridiculously cheap price, in my opinion. But it is what it is, it's done, you've got to move on. So then you go on to your current Leeds players. So I really like uh, Jack Harrison, um, who's been with us now for three full seasons, coming into his fourth, two on loan, one term. Um, and I think. His development, 
like, ex- I want to say excluding last season because they were all crap, um, including Jack. But I think his development from the first season up until, you know, up to the, the end of the first Premier League season was, was just night and day. And you could see that he'd put in the extra yards, he'd put in the extra work in in summer he put them on mm-hmm. uh, you know he put in the extra hours to to progress and to improve and he never never relaxed and I think I think eventually as long as he continues to progress he probably will get an England cap and, and well deserved I think he's a superb player um you, you know he sometimes can't lack him with his final ball um or his final decision making and and that's still the case today but I think he's a a great player, and I can like. There's been rumours that Newcastle want him, um, and I can see why. So yeah, I really like Jack Harrison. I really like um, Dan James. Obviously, he comes with a, a much bigger price tag, and and people are questioning that one. Um, but I I really like Dan James. I think he had a, a rough ride after his first season with us because he was playing number nine for most of the season. Yeah. And he's, a, he's a winger, so I don't think he got a fair crack of the whip. Um, but I think if he can if he can play in his position, which we're seeing he's going he can, um, then I think he'll be a great signing for us. So yeah, uh, Jack Harrison. Well, I don't think he had a bad return last season. He got eight goals. I've, I've spoke about it on other podcasts, and I'm I'm a completely apologising for referencing podcasts that you probably haven't heard. But yeah, I spoke about it on other podcasts. He's got eight goals this season, which isn't a bad return for a player that you wouldn't expect in that team anyway to be scoring. 12, 15 sort of goals. It's it's sort of hard to speculate what goals he should and shouldn't be getting, but I don't think eight goals is a bad return for a, a young uh, lad like that. Totally agree. When you when you think about the, um, you know, we, we didn't have a, a striker, so there were no goals coming from a striker as such, and the person playing there wasn't scoring. Our goals came from the wing, which was Rafinha and, and from Harrison, and I think when you're in a team that's struggling um, to get eight goals, is fantastic, and I think he's, you know, got a hat trick against West Ham down at their ground, um, and he was superb that day. I think he, he could have got even more if he'd have, if he'd have wanted, but he played superb that game and got his just desserts. And um, and I think, you know, he's got on the last the last game of the season. And I, again, I think you see this pre-season, he's been training while he's been on holiday, and I think he's going to come back, and it, it's a difficult one his next season for the, the league fans, um, because we just don't know what we're getting, in terms of, obviously we've got a new manager who um, kind of started playing his style then quickly defaulted back to Bielsa's style, um, but next season, it will be his players playing his way, and I think he likes to play narrow, um, and down the middle. So hopefully um, Jack, Dan, um, Dan James and all the other wingers can, can find the groove in, in whatever that looks like and let's see what it brings. Hopefully they manage to pad the squad out because playing with a paper-thin squad this season hasn't helped anything, has it? I mean, Bamford stuck on a, stuck, stuck a, stood on a uh, piece of Lego, didn't he? And then he were out for God knows how long. He got sick note of the year, did uh, Mr Bamford? Yeah, he had a... Um, it, was, it was really frustrating because it, you know he'd get close and he'd get injured again he'd get really close he'd get injured again and um, and when your system revolves so much around him like it did with Phillips um, you, you're really going to struggle like Bamford for, for the first season when he were, were with us and from my perspective as well I'm not going to say it wasn't me as well he got pelters like for being, you know, he can't go goals, he can't do this. And then actually, you see it progress over the season. He was, he, he is just so much, of, is and was just so much more than a goal scorer for us because um, he would be the one who'd be doing the pressing right from the front and you'd see him run right back to the halfway line and that just put everyone in that kind of mindset of this is what we've got to do. And and, and so, yeah, I think having Bamford back um, will be a, a fantastic addition for us, but you're right. Our squad is and was worth a thin. We've brought three in so far, um, and but, but two are going out, so I think we need another four or five in through the door. I think the Rafinha money's already been sort of put to one side for that 
for that purpose, aren't it? Just in case he does go. And I think he'll be yeah, a big yeah. loss. Big loss to Leeds next season. He's a he's a massive loss. He's a, uh, I don't know whether he says world class yet, but he's definitely he's, on that. He's getting there, he's, isn't he? He's going to be, yeah. Like he's a brilliant, he's a Brazilian star. He's, you know, and he's he's a cut above everyone else in our squad. or was a cut above everyone else. He was, he, he the amount of goals he scored. I think he he single handedly probably probably saved us last season. Not Tyler Roberts. <laughs> Not Tyler Roberts. <laughs> Not Tyler Roberts, indeed. Uh, we do. I did a bit of research because I like to do a bit of research every now and then, just because I'm a bit geeky. And we, uh, I sort of discovered, I say it in air quotes because it's probably not accurate or correct. Tyler Roberts is on three and a half grand a week, so it, that's probably why you're not getting the best out of him because he's. he's uh, I don't know who's, who's getting the best deal out of that because I don't know if he's a Premier League quality player. If I'm being perfectly honest, I think he was good enough at Championship. A bit like Mitrovic, good enough at Championship, but probably not going to be able to cut it at Premier League level. Yeah, like with, with Roberts, I, I'm not sure on the three and a half grand. Maybe before he signed a new deal at the beginning of last season, but I can't see him signing a new deal in the Premier League at three and a half thousand. But who knows? Um, I think, like, I'm I'm not defending Roberts because he's not good enough. He really isn't. But sometimes, almost, he was getting criticism for things that just wasn't his fault. Um, and then, I, and then I think the, the the other thing on that is he wasn't the one who was picking him. Yeah, you know, uh, it was Bielsa who was um, continuing to pick him, continuing to bring him on when you could just blatantly see that it was not working. And we had we had Gellhart on the bench, and everyone was screaming out for him. And I think you know, being in the ground when that <laughs> when that change is happening, you could just feel it. Like the energy uh, and everything just took out of the stadium, and you think you'd feel sorry for him because it's like it's not his fault. I mean, it's his fault that he's not a very good footballer or not a Premier League footballer. Um, it's not his fault that he kept getting, you know, brought on or, or chosen when when everyone's willing and wanting Delhart to, to get some minutes. So, yeah, I did feel a bit sorry for him. He, he's back in. He's back in pre-season training. There was a, a picture of him laughing with someone, and uh, we on a another podcast that I go on. We have a WhatsApp group, and we played a caption competition with a photo, which was uh, I think mine was my was the favourite. Which is, can you believe they're still paying me to do this? <laughs> um, which, yeah, I think sums up the feeling of most league fans with Roberts. But there's rumours that he's going out alone, and I think um, I think if he can move him on, I would do. Uh, doing well, the good that to be fair, maybe someone like Fulham where he's sort of still in Premier League, see if he's sort of able to cut it at that level, and then maybe to Norwich year after because they're one of the yo-yo clubs out there. They're going to be up and down, up and down. Um, yeah, I, I noticed you mentioned Mr. Marco Bielsa there. Do you do, are you one of the Leeds fans that has to do sign at Cross when you say his name or? Um, well, yeah, I I I do um, love him, and I think most Leeds fans. Do and still do. Um, I, I was, I was gutted when he went. I think um, m- my personal opinion is we probably we should have given him till the end of the season. Um, he deserved that. Um, you know, they talk about togetherness and this ethos that they were they were bringing in the minute the going got tough, they got rid. And I, I didn't like that. I think overnight we just became another Premier League club. Um, and I, I really, I. We'd come out, we'd, we'd had a really tricky spell playing like Liverpool, City, and I know, and, and Tottenham, and I know we were getting some. I'm not saying the results were acceptable or anything like that, but, there, you know, there was mitigating circumstances. And then we had this run where you just thought, you know, you like Norwich and things like that, where you think we can pick up points, just give him that little bit of time. And if, if it still isn't where we need to be, then fair enough, you, you let him go. But I, I thought that. The, um, the pulled the trigger a bit too quick for my liking. Having said that, um, you know we stayed in the Premier League, so you can't argue that the, it maybe was the right thing to do. It were a bit of a roll of the dice decision, wasn't it? And I think it has sort of come up trumps, hasn't it? Because personally, I think had Bielsa stayed and Leeds had gone down, I don't think he'd have had it in him to get them back up again. Whereas you sort of have to char- chance your arm. 
go for a new manager, go for a new style of play, try to freshen it up. And fortunately for Leeds, it has worked in this instance. Whereas if it hadn't worked, maybe Marsh, obviously Marsh would have stayed and maybe Marsh would have been the, the person to bring him back up. Whereas I don't think Bielsa would probably have it in him to be able to change enough to bring them back up again. I know he's done it once, he's performed the miracle once. I think at his age now and his stubbornness, I don't think he'd have had it in him to perform the second miracle. He, he was very stubborn. It's one of the probably reasons I loved him. Um, <laughs> and and I, I met him as well back in 2018, nine, no, 19, 2019, um, at Ellen Road when he was just, just joined us. And he was, uh, no, Ellen Road uh, at Thorpe Arts. I was doing um, some stuff for March now. And he was really interested and really engaged in what we were doing. He couldn't speak uh, very, good, very good English at the time. He obviously just started to learn. And I think his English, is, uh, as the years went on, were much better than he probably let on. But, yeah, uh, yeah he, was, he was great. I think he wasn't just a, a manager. It was his character, his, his morals, his, just his whole being changed the all ethos of, of the club and of the city as well, if, if I'm honest with you. Well, he's got a street named after him, so he's obviously had a lasting impact. Exactly, and how many murals he's got all over the place. Uh, speaking of murals, I've seen the uh, marching out together peacock. Very good, very nice. I liked it. I haven't so seen it personally. I've seen think? it on the website. What What did you think? It's very different to the other Leeds United murals that are going on. Very flamboyant. I liked it. <laughs> and I think that was the, uh, the 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 there was a few things about it, but it was like, yeah, let let's be flamboyant. We want a piece of art, not just a, a player. Not that them other murals are, are not fantastic as they are, but we wanted something different. And obviously, Peacocks relates back to, to Leeds United and our old nickname. Um, and then, you know, being proud of the Peacock, we were like, yeah, that that just is everything that, you know, em- embodies us. So let's, let's go with it. And the artist we used, um, she's an international artist. Sorry, they are an international artist. Um, and they did a fantastic job in, in bringing together the vision of, of us and the members. So, yeah, I think it's great. And if you haven't seen it in the flesh, have a, have a drive down uh, down York Road and, and have a look. Um, I can see where it is in my mind's eye. Much. It's just at back of Saxon Gardens Flats, isn't it? Just near the, the massive building that's sinking, that I always forget what it's called, DSS yeah, building. The, the, the DSS building, it's just next to there, yeah. You know where the... Um, the new flyover has just been built. I'll put yeah. back in um, there. Yeah, and it's really prominent. Like you can't miss it. Yeah, I, I think is it St Patrick's that it used to be yeah. like a St Patrick's school. Yeah, I, I can see it in my mind's eye where it is. And if I am uh, when when I venture into Leeds City again, I'll uh, I'll go out and uh, have a nice look at that one. Yeah, go have a look. It's uh, very good. And if, if you go onto the Supporters Trust website, the mural tour of Leeds for all of them is. Uh, is they've got an, an, an interactive uh, like walking tour thing, which is very good as well. We've added to that. There was the, um, what were they called now? The Bramley Banksy. Can you remember him? He was painting on all the um, the, the boxes. Uh, Burley Banksy. Yeah, that's it, sorry. Burley Banksy, I stand corrected. Yeah, he's still going strong. There was somebody that were painting over all them, weren't there? There was like some old cantankerous dude that were just, it, it sort of got a bee in his bonnet about him and just going around painting over him. Well, there was a few things. There was like the, um, there was BT in an area painted over some because the, the, I can't remember the ins and outs of it, but it wasn't in keeping with the area. There was a kind of a, <laughs> the person who needed to be emailed, their email was put on Twitter, and I think they got about 10,000 emails <laughs> uh, overnight, and it was soon reversed. And they repaid him to redo them all, which was fair enough. There was some when Alioski was reportedly going to um, the Turkish club that shall not be named, that were painted over with anything to do with Alioski um, by people who were disgruntled. And then there was, yeah, some that was that was vandalised. But the way I see it with them all is they're um, they're just great additions. They're, what what were there before? Something green, yeah. like. Why wouldn't you just have a little bit of art and a bit of fun with it? It's something to look at when you're going past on bus and stuff like that as well, and it sort of takes your mind off of the monotony of of travel and stuff. Speaking of oh, uh, Alioski, how did you feel about him going? Uh, I, so I thought it was the right time to move him on. I think um, he, he was a fantastic character. 
he was um, he was brilliant. He was yeah, he was full of energy. But um, and and this is where Leeds fans, you know, were all saying we absolutely need a new left back. Everyone said it. Uh, he's not good enough. Um, he's been great for us, but it's time for a new one. And we got a new one, and the new one wasn't very good. <laughs> um, he's a, hopefully, he might be in his second season, but wasn't very good in his first season. Um, and therefore, everyone's clambering back for Alioski. And I think you've got to move on. Um, he wasn't good enough. I still don't think he's good enough for us. Um, and Because I think his new club's been relegated. So people are talking, oh, we should bring him back. We absolutely should not bring him back. No, I think with the uh, the money coming from Rafinha, should he be leaving? I think it's uh, it's time to treat yourself, isn't it? Is there anyone yeah. sort of on your hit list that you'd like to see at the club? Reasonable, well, obviously. We, Leeds aren't going to be signing Mbappe next week, are they? Well, we we should be really. Let's yeah. be honest. <laughs> um, no, like the least, um, least Davis is back off loan. He was down at Bournemouth last year. There's another year older, and, and he's probably going to be Serpo's backup. That's what it's looking like, unless they they go in for another. Um, and we we just seem to be linked with um, Red Bull players <laughs> at the minute. So every Red Bull player we, we're getting in is coming through the doors. I'm one of these. Craig, um, where I don't I don't sit and I go, oh, you know, I want them, I want this, I want that. Um, and equally, I'm not one who sits with our three new signings and go they're the best player in the world or the crap or whatever because I think what you've got to remember is their YouTube highlights are exactly that. Their highlights. Yeah, they're not. They're not going to put a show really shit on. Oh, sorry, can I swear? You anyway. can say whatever you want. Good. Well, they're not going to put a show really shit on. They're going to put on their best bits of, of whatever and I think, you know, Kiko Casilla, Serpo, these are players that Leeds fans got really excited about like, you know, we've got a left back going from Barcelona, we're standing for this, he's going to be brilliant, he's got to be. And he just hasn't cut the mustard. Now, my what I will do is I will sit back and I will watch how them players perform and then I will make my judgment on whether they're good enough or not. Um, Rodrigo's another one, £30 million, Spanish international, he's going to be brilliant. And he's been a disappointment. Like, that, he's had glimpses of a... Thirty million pound Spanish striker, midfielder, ten, whatever he wants to be, um, but he's not been good enough. He's been underwhelming. And then the flip of that is you get Serpo for seventeen million, and he's a world beater. So um, I think it's best to just sit back, watch, um, and then make your mind up in terms of if it's good enough. Yeah, I agree that Serpo just he, he ain't good enough. Um... He, he, he isn't. Hopefully, his second season will be much better. Yeah, it's a hard league. It's Premier League. Some people like Diaz hit the ground running, and you know, he, even he said it won't look. You know, I've had to train hard. It might look easy on the pitch, sort of thing. And then there's people that just take a couple of seasons. In the, I mean, look at Henri when he first came; he was completely out of his depth, and then sort of turned into the best player in the world. Didn't it? It's not the easiest league, especially if you're coming from Spain or he's obviously Brazilian, isn't he? So I assume at some point he lived in Brazil. So it's a culture change and everything else, and it maybe it was just a blip. He obviously was sort of thought of well to be, to be in Barcelona's midst at the best of times, so there might be a player there, and you might get to see it next season, fingers crossed. I, I, I hope so. I think, um, you know, he's had one season. Um, there were slight glimpses of, of something quite decent there, but let's see how he gets on the second season. Um, and... Fingers crossed, he, he comes good and shows us the player that you, you're right was around the Barcelona, um, around the Barcelona squad. So I think second season will be key for him, um, and I'm hoping um, that it's a good one for him. Uh, me too, me too. Uh, I'll uh, I'll leave you with a final question, Steve. Where do you think Leeds are going to finish next season? Oh, I'll let God. you put two different hats on. I'll let you put your optimist hat on, and then I'll let you put your realist hat on. So, well, I, I thought you were going to let me put my wine hat on and my non-wine hat on. Well, it's the same thing, really, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, totally. I think, um, right, so optimistically, we do like a, at, at work, we do a, you know, we all get together and do as league predictions and optimistically, I put 11 um, for Leeds this season. Um, 
and that is optimistic. Like it will, a lot will depend on on what we do in the transfer market now, and and how many more bodies we get in, and if we give Gell Hart minutes, if Bamford stays fit, all of these, there's, there's loads of things that you know obviously shape the season. But optimistically, if we are anywhere around mid table, I will be delighted. Realistically, I think we're in real trouble again. Um, my, my gut tells me we won't get relegated again um, because I just think there'll be three worse than us again. Um, and, but I don't think that's a good place to be at all when you're, <laughs> you're banking no. your hopes on three teams being worse than you. But I genuinely I genuinely do. Um, a lot will depend on how the players adapt to the new manager's ways of working and how he wants to play. And, and if, if they can translate that on the pitch and if they can, then, then we might be okay, but I think we're in for a tough ride. And I think, personally, I don't probably can't say this out loud, but I think we might have a new manager by Christmas. Rooney? You're going for Rooney? <laughs> no, we are not. <laughs> we better not go for Rooney. We better not go for Lampard because he'll be out of work as well very soon. Yeah, I don't, um, think, I don't think they'll be front runners for that job. No. No, I don't. So I think, uh, yeah, I think realistically we, we're in for another uh, another another tough season. Are, um, are you winning it this year, or I'm I'm a realistic slash optimistic slash uh, I try to play it as real as I can, and I don't think we are. Now again, it's all hypothetical and uh, bullshit and rumours and stuff like that. But I don't think if if we sell Salah, and I know it's it's sort of. I don't really want to hinge my season based on Salah staying or going, but I think if we sell Salah, I think we're going to struggle for top three. You're taking away a massive chunk of Liverpool's power there. I know Nunes hasn't kicked a ball yet, however, it's a lot to be asking of him to get all them goals without kicking a ball. He did play well. I seen him. I watched him in Champions League against us last season, and I said he, if he can stay on side, he's going to be a good player. But we need to keep Salah. We need to. Uh, well, we need to keep the Salah that played for us before he went to AFCON because after he came back from AFCON well I don't think he did come back from AFCON after January he were, he were terrible I think he got 14 before Christmas and then he sort of limped to Golden Boot and obviously scored last day at season to tie with Son for Golden Boot but I think if we can keep Salah and Nunes fires like we think he's going to do Diaz looks like a good player I think we've got every chance of winning it however it's hard to say with City isn't it? they're massive favourites already and Harland hadn't even kicked a ball yet, so born in Leeds, wasn't he, Mr. Harland? He he was, and he, he should have come to Leeds, but we'll, we'll forgive him. I can understand why he's so sick of your ball. Um, I, I think you're right. I think you can't look that, that much past City on the basis that obviously they won it on the last game of the season, this last season, and it was tight, um, but they've added Calvin Phillips, or the gunner, they've added... Uh, Harland, as you're saying, yeah, I don't think he'll look uh, too much past them. With Phillips, I don't think he's going to play that much this next season. I think what Pep's doing this season, for me anyway, and this is just my take on it, and this is, you know, you know, when you get like a theory in your head and you're like, I, th- I think that's going to be the thing. I think he's going to have two squads, and I think this season he's going to go all out and go for Champs League because... Mane left and he went to Bayern and he said, I've left for a new challenge because he's won everything. Now, there's players in that Man City squad, like said De Bruyne. Uh, obviously, Jesus is going, but Jesus were there. Edison, world-class players, and they haven't won the Champions League. Now, Ibrahimovic never won the Champions, Champions League. Cantona never won Champions League. People want that little trophy in their mantle. Now, as soon as City get that, I think that's it for them. I think players will just leave left, right and centre because they've won everything. They can go to Real Madrid, they can get the dream, quote, air quotes, dream move to Real Madrid or Barcelona or PSG. But I think as soon as Pep gets that, you know, the Champs League medal round his neck, I think that's it. I think he's off to PSG with another blank checkbook. So I hope that City don't win the league this year and I hope that they do win the Champs Well, I hope we win the Champs League, obviously, but I think if they do concentrate on that and they do win that, I don't think it's the end of the world for us because I think that's... That, that I think they'll sort of rebrand then because that's that's the sort of the whole reason why Pep went there in the first place to win him the Champs League and then 10 years down the line he still haven't won it so that's the dream realised for them they are European champions sort of thing and then everybody else gets a chance to play in Premier League because 
I think a lot of them will leave. Bernardo Silva's been um, rumoured to leave, hasn't he? And Jesus is leaving, so maybe some of the team, some of the fringe players, they're going to go. But I, I can't see Phillips playing that much for some strange reason this season. I think he's going to be part of their, you know, their elect to play the uh, Champs League. They're, they're throw the dice to win it, like along with Haaland. I think they're both going to sort of go for that rather than the uh, Premier League this season. Obviously, they're nailed on to win it, odds on favourite, but I think the, the, uh, Phillips is probably going to part, be part of the uh, Champs League squad, if, if that makes sense to you. Yeah, yeah, it, it does. I, I, I think he'll, he'll get a decent amount of games because obviously they've, they've played with one and they've got uh, Rodri as well. And I think, I think he'll split between them is my personal view. I think not almost one game, one game, but... Um, They'll do it in batches, I think, would be my view. I think last year we were victims of his own success. We played the every single game that we could possibly play. Now, if we go out this season and we just play kids in cup and we go out in you know in quarters in, in both FA Cup and I don't even know what it'll be next next season. I'm assuming it's going to be Cocoa Pops pop, uh, Cup still, you know, Carabao. If we go out in quarters or semis of them, I really won't be shedding that many tears if we can concentrate on winning league and champs league. So, I think this year, I think he's going to be a, a bit more smart as is Klopp, and he's going to sort of play a lessened team if if that if he can play a lessened team. You know, like the likes of Kelleher and stuff like that. I think a lot of them are going to get a lot of games in cup again because I don't think we're going to prioritise it as much this season. No, totally. I think um, it it was close last season, wasn't it? And you know, to go to the last game of the season and almost have it have your hand on the on the Premier League to lose it at the last minute or not lose it because obviously City won the game, but lose lose the overall league on that last game is, is disappointing. But I think it'll be another close one this year. At the top, I hope they're the best ones, aren't they? Yeah, I think it's going to be close again with Leeds as well. I think personally, I think Leeds are going to have to spend the money wisely, but I think. Maybe 14, 15 floating around that if I'm, if I'm going to be uh, realistic. I don't think they're going to be in dogfight again, or I hope they're not going to be in dogfight again because the uh, the podcasts that we were doing when they were in the dogfight were a bit, a bit doom and gloom and a bit um, <laughs> a bit less optimistic. They want, they want as many laughs, I'll put it that way. Well, fingers crossed. Yeah, fingers crossed for Leeds too. And, uh, and on that note, Stephen, I will bid you a very, very fond farewell. Thank you for your time. No worries at all. It's been great, and uh, and, and good luck with the uh, with the podcast this season. Same, same to you, and thank you very much. Um, is it the seventh of August, Leeds Pride? Leeds Pride, yes, Sunday the seventh of August. Always the first uh, Sunday in uh, in things. So yeah, if anyone wants to uh, to come down, just drop a note to marchingouttogether at gmail dot com, uh, and someone will get back to you, and or equally just follow us on uh, on Twitter, marching out together LUFD. Thank you very much, Stephen. Have a nice uh, night and enjoy your rosé. Cheers, thanks. Bye. Bye. That was Stephen Wignall there, chair of the Leeds LGBT supporters group, uh, marching out together. And I've been Craig from Spam By Me. Thank you for joining us today. Hope you have a nice rest of the evening, afternoon, morning, whenever you've picked up this podcast. And goodbye. Thank you.